right. Welcome back to another episode of Black Women Voices Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Dr. K, and I'm going to let my other host introduce herself. And we're going to talk a little bit about what the topic is today before we bring on our guests. Hello, all. Thank you so much, my sister. Um, my name is Dr. V, Dr. Valerie, and I'm so excited to get to talk to you all. Like I said, like we said earlier, I'm from Kansas, and I'm just really excited to get in. Yeah, it's Kansas. <laughs> no place like home. <laughs> the shoes are real. Uh, <laughs> so tonight. Today, whenever you're listening to this, the conversation is going to be good. It may be heavy for some folks, but it will definitely be needed. We're talking about the impact COVID-19 has had on mental health on campuses, but more particularly on Black women that work on, on campuses, right? And so we have a phenomenal guest. As always, I know we always say that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but we have a dope guest yes. <laughs> tonight. Come on, dope. Morning, <laughs> but yes, we have a dope guest um, that I've had the pleasure of meeting and working with the past couple of months. And when the topic came up, she was my go-to. And so I'm so happy that she's here. So I'm going to give her the space and the opportunity to introduce herself. So Dr. Wilson. All right. Thank you so much, Dr. K and Dr. V. Listen, it's an absolute pleasure to sit down and have this conversation with you all tonight. Um, My name is Dr. Tayari Wilson. I'm a licensed mental health counselor and psychologist with private practices down south of Louisiana and Mississippi. I love to do the work of mental health, particularly as it relates to black and brown communities and even in the collegiate setting, because as you guys know, I serve in that capacity as well um, in the higher ed capacity also. And so thank you so much for inviting me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here tonight to talk about the implications of COVID on mental health, long-term, short-term, and especially as it relates to people who, who look like us. Yes. Right. So, well, we we gonna pause for a moment because mm-hmm. this black woman said she has a private practice, not in one state, but two states. <laughs> Can we honor that for a moment? Can we honor the entrepreneur spirit? Ah, like that's just bomb. And and you know what it makes me wonder, like, did you just feel like the other community just needed to be like enriched? Like what was uh, even that rationale of wanting to mm-hmm. kind of expand it in that way? Yeah, no. So where I grew up is actually right there on the line between Mississippi and Louisiana. The town I grew up in in Mississippi is about an hour from New Orleans. And so I kind of got my start as far as my uh, mental health experience in uh, in the New Orleans area. And so I kind of started there. That's my foundation, doing the work. Community-based therapy is what it's called. Going into the homes of individuals post-Hurricane Katrina to provide services to um, individuals, couples, um, children, families, doing some group therapy as well. And so, of course, because I'm a Mississippi native, of course, I feel compelled to serve um, the people from where I'm from, right? I want to build and grow and be an asset and a blessing to the people who are part of my community in those surrounding areas. So I was in such close proximity. I said, you know what? We need to do something here in Mississippi, absolutely, but also here in Louisiana, partnering with other clinicians, et cetera, to make this thing happen. So that's how that came to be. 
I love it. That's I love dope. it. I love dope. it. You saw a need. You're like, listen, what do I need to do? Got to do it. Yeah. That's right. That's kind of what we do <laughs> black women, but I love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the fact that, so let me ask this. Within mm-hmm. your private practice, is it just you? Do you have, have any other individuals assisting you? Oh, my goodness. No, it's, of course, um, it's a partnership with other community-based um, clinicians and contract clinicians. Um, it is just me as it relates to uh, the clients that I work with in Mississippi, but Louisiana, right. no, I'm not seeing clients in the Louisiana area at this time, um, but we mm-hmm. still have our practice there, and we do have contract clinicians who work with those clients in that particular area. So that's kind of oh. how, we, how we pull it together and make it all work. And the truth of the matter is that like we, our communities need it, you know, in terms yes. of the ways in which we pro- process life trauma, the, the weight of COVID, the weight of kind of generational trauma, historical trauma, racism, the, it, we need somebody in, in the counseling space that right. looks like us, that we don't have to explain what it's like to be black and the weight of um, you know police interaction or whatever that is we need right. somebody who gets it so i mm-hmm. love that you you know saw a need and met it with mm-hmm. all mm-hmm. that you are so that's awesome. yeah. yeah yeah so speaking of that when you think about um covid you know we've been in covid for what almost two years if not two years and think about the black women. So we'll, we'll focus on black women. The black right. women that you have, um, black black women that you have worked with post COVID. Have you seen any difference in what they're bringing to the table, or just how you've had to maneuver in your practices uh, to ensure that you know they're getting what they need post COVID as opposed to pre COVID. Yeah. So, you know, I'm really glad that we're having this conversation because Because I will say that black women are exhausted, just absolutely exhausted. If I could think of any word that would appropriately characterize what I'm consistently seeing amongst black women or among black women who um, I share spaces with or who come into the therapeutic space is that they're simply exhausted. Um, I think that culturally that we're a people, a um, who have been taught, has been embedded into us to maintain what we call kind of the black woman's, uh, the strong black woman syndrome. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that through that, that it's been extremely misleading as it relates to being able to measure our personal capacities. You know, um, many of us generationally um, have been parentified. We were taught early on to take on not only the responsibility for ourselves, but for our siblings, cousins, aunts, uncles, oh, granny is sick. You got to help take care of her. Got to be there for her, you know. And so I believe that COVID affects us very differently in that it created an experience for us to which none of us were prepared for. We just were not prepared. And so at that point, although many of us entered into that season of COVID already having um, really dishonored our own capacities and abilities, right, just kind of stretched ourselves to the max, um, I think that COVID pushed us even further. Um, the fear, 
um, the change. I've seen so many people um, deal with what we call adjustment disorder, just really uncertain about what tomorrow holds. What's going to happen next? Am I going to be employed? Am I going to be unemployed? Do I get to still work from home? My kids are out of school. What am I going to do for childcare? I think it has presented a level of a level of uncertainty. Mm-hmm. And it came with a level of just pressure that none of us were prepared for. And then in addition to that, you have to consider the loss and the grief that has been accompanied with that loss. Almost anybody that you ask, any Black woman that you ask, can name at least two people that they know were directly impacted by COVID and uh, as a result of COVID lost their life. And so it's been a substantial impact um, on Black women, Black women who are already kind of a, a marginalized group. Um, and already faced with so much just, um, you know, in our culture and, and in this, this, these spaces already. So, so yes, absolutely. Substantial changes, substantial shifts, um, lots of issues around adjustment disorder and grief. And really just like, like I said, a lack of understanding as it relates to our own capacity because of this false expectation that we should continue to be strong no matter what's happening, continue to pile things on, continue to keep going, because there is an expectation that if anybody can make it happen, if anybody can handle the weight, anybody can deal with the pressure, a Black woman can. And see, that makes me really kind of want to go deeper within that, you know, like, is that, and and it makes me really think about, is that something that Black women, that we've been taught at birth, that placing our own needs should come and do come second or even third to whatever responsibility to our families, to our jobs. Like, what is that? Um, and can it be unlearned or should it be unlearned? Like, let's kind of have that conversation with it because that is having very real implications to the ways in which we are showing up whole. Right. So I, I, I'm going to say that there's two con- contributors or contributors, excuse me, to this kind of this line of thinking, right? Or this way of thinking. One, right, Black women, you know, Africans, we are a community-centered people. We've always been, if you look back in time, Africans, Black people are community-centered people. We do everything on, comu- on based around community. What is in the best interest of the community, right? We feed each other, we help each other, we clothe each other, take care of this person, take care of that person, keep this person's kids, whatever, right? We're going to help each other to see each other through. And so what we learned generationally, and particularly through slavery, was that it was taught, it was okay, it was expected for the Black woman to take the brunt of what was expected mm-hmm. to protect the family. All right. So you have that. You have the, 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 the inherent part of our culture as a black people, as African people, we're community based, community driven. In many cases, you have the implications of slavery. Right. Where the black woman look how much more the black woman was relied upon and used as a pawn and to protect the children, to protect the black men and uh, giving themselves to uh, to their oppressors and all these things for the safety of our people. And then you have to look at the. Um, the part that that um, religion has played into it, right? Um, where you, we are taught and through Christianity for Black people who are a part of the Christian faith, um, where you were taught um, to prefer your neighbor over yourself. And that is what made you a good Christian. Mm-hmm. Okay. Am I my brother's keeper? Uh-huh. Right? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm my brother's keeper, right? Um, and I, that's my neighbor, right? So it has been taught to us um, through multiple dimensions to take on this ideology and this mindset, and it's been perpetuated throughout the generations. And so it has become a part of our, ide- our identities. 
particularly as black women. If you look at any black church in America, it is full of black women, mm-hmm. right? We substantially outnumber black men and other people, other races of people, uh, particularly yeah. in the Christian church. And so that mindset and that expectation has become a part of our identity. And so we just continue to pass it on from generation to generation. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I'm, I'm trying to look for the offering plate. <laughs> That was a word. That was a word. I'm exhausted. Exhausted. You know, slavery, community based, religion. And and then, so for us that work on, you know, campuses, the thing that comes to mind is how do we, once I'm going back to Dr. B, how do we unlearn? if we are to unlearn it. But then the yeah. biggest piece, what do we show these young black women that are on our <laughs> campuses, whether they're students or young professionals? Yeah. What does that look like? If yeah. we are struggling ourselves <laughs> to maintain and they're looking at us as the role models, what do we do? And we're yeah. all coming in with that same, this Mindset. is what we do as a That's community. Right. That's yeah. right. That's right. You know what? You know, it's multi-layered. But first and foremost, I want to say it absolutely must be unlearned. It's not healthy for us. It's not building us. It's not strengthening us. It's not progressing us. It's not furthering us as a people, um, individually or collectively. And so we must begin to break with patterns of behavior. We must begin to break with ideologies that are innately destructive to us individually and as a community, right? So it's not healthy for us to dishonor our own personal capacities. It's not healthy for us to not have boundaries. It's not healthy for us to to refuse to say no. It is not healthy for us to break down ourselves mentally, emotionally, emotionally, physically, um, or spiritually so that we can further our careers. So what do we need to do, right? Or to self-sacrifice, as I like to uh, also say, I want to add that, or for us to self-sacrifice for the benefit um, of those who are connected to us. What we must begin to teach, if we really want true progression, we have to teach people that there is a healthy and holistic way in which we can progress through this life, in which we can be successful and well. You don't have to choose success one or the other. You can have both wellness and success. And so I think we have been taught that we have to choose one or the other. If I'm going to be successful, I've got to... Because even as a part of just the quote unquote American dream, if you think about it your whole life, every time you hear a hero or some person being honored, they're going to speak to sacrifice. They're going to speak to sacrifice. But where are the limitations around that sacrifice? And what parts of me am I willing to sacrifice as a black woman in order to be um, what we would consider to be successful? Right. Is my wellness worth my success? And once I arrive at the point of success, what will I really have? That's such a deep, that is such, can, can we just, sit, can we just sit in that? I feel like I need you to repeat it again. Is my just say, it, say it again, sis, one more time. I said, is our wellness worth reaching that place of success? And when we've reached that place of success, will the wellness that we've sacrificed be worth it? So when you ask me about, what we do for the our uh, successors, right? We teach them to break with the habits of our predecessors. And we break with mm. the habits and the patterns and the ideologies 
of our predecessors. We showed them it can be done differently. So it can be done. With that. Here's my question with that. So who's responsible? Where, where does the institution, from your standpoint, fit mm-hmm. within that? Is it the institution's responsibility to really think through the ways in which they are capitalizing, taxing the emotional labor that happens to Black women? Or is it our responsibility to reclaim that? Like, at what point do we see, because, you know, there's a part of me that's saying, well, if they see that we'll do it, you know, of course they're going to allow us to do it because it it, it behooves them to step back and, hey, let me right. let them handle that, right? So where right. do you see is the institutional responsibility? If we, if we we were thinking about calling truth to power in a mm-hmm. space in that way, like whose responsibility mm-hmm. is it to mm-hmm. really dismantle, to reject these practices? Is it the institution? Where do they, where do they fit within that? I think the responsibility falls on both the individual and the institution because systemically the institutions were built on the black, on the backs of many black women. Let's just be honest. Mm-hmm. Let's just be honest. Right. Yeah. And so it's really about the culture and the spirit of the institution. Do you value what these black women contribute to this space or not? And if it, and do you value them in their humanity above what they contribute? If you don't, then it, it then it is incumbent upon the black women in those spaces to make a decision to choose their wellness over the need of the institution. If the institution does not make the decision for them, so it falls to both. We we have to begin to decide for ourselves. Today, I choose me. I know the institution needs me. I know I have some privilege because of my education and my opportunity. I know there's other black women coming behind me, black girls watching me who need to see something, but I must, we can either be a part of the problem or we can be a part of the solution. And because this is very much a part of what I like to call the dudamous generation, the doubting generation, this is a generation that is quick to tell you, don't talk about it, be about it. You got to show me <laughs> what's the favorite thing they're always talking about. Cap, that's cap. They're quick to call you a liar. They're quick to call yeah. you a fraud. They're quick to call you out on not being what you project to be. So we cannot preach a wellness that we're not willing to model and demonstrate. We have to become what we're teaching others to be. That's big. Mm. Yeah. I'm still searching for the offering plate, y'all. <laughs> um, I wanted, I, I, I don't, I wanted to throw a shoe, but I don't have nothing near me. <laughs> listen, listen, listen. Yes, listen here. A prayer shawl. I'm still, to a prayer shawl. I'm still <laughs> so I'm still stuck on the um. Uh, how did you say it? Is my wellness. I need to write it down. Worth is risking my wellness worth the success that I want. The success. And, and recognizing that success means something different to everyone. That, mm-hmm. That's true. Right. And as as black, so let me, let me, y'all know I, I can be churchy when I want to. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, and I, I don't know when people are going to be listening to this. I won't. So, but. I woke up this morning and I'm laying in my bed and I said, God, give us a word. We need a word. We need a word. We need a word. And he didn't waste no time. <laughs> and so he gave me Malachi 3 and 12, mm-hmm. which talks about faith. Mm-hmm. Then um, he gave me 
James 3 and 2, and then Mark 1 and 5. And y'all go read those. Okay. (laughs) Read those. And then then he he left me with Hebrews 10, 35 to 36. So basically, the word he gave me was about faith and the fact that we are struggling when we think about COVID um, and what it has done. We are struggling around this issue of faith, right? And saying, oh, well, he promised this. Um, I asked for this and I haven't seen it. I don't know where my faith is. I don't know if I should have faith. We're struggling with faith. But in that, there's some people out there that believe that I have to be perfect. That I have to be well in order for my faith to be activated for God to see me and honor my request. And so I'm thinking, and when I'm listening to you here, listening to you talk about wellness and then the correlation to success, I can't help but think about faith mm-hmm. as black women, you know, um, and, and women of faith, you know, Christians, right. mm-hmm. and, and knowing that, okay, sacrifice. I'm not willing to sacrifice my well-being, my wellness for the need of an institution that doesn't even know I exist on the campus, honestly. Right. Right. Um, but it's just so I don't know. I it just this is an on time conversation. Yeah. Uh, because there are a lot of black women not just in higher ed, but in right, just in the world right now that are crying, but their tears mm-hmm. won't fall. Mm-hmm. If, my, if my tears fall, someone will see mm-hmm. me and ask what's wrong. Right. Right. And I don't know if I can be strong enough to tell them what's wrong. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, because at the same time, I'm a black woman. And as a black woman, I can handle it. I should be able right. to handle it, they say. Right. Oh, man. This is right. Mm. That's so big, though, right? Because mm-hmm. do we do we essentially perpetuate the harm by not telling them that there are all these types of insidious mm. ways in which you know? So it's not just you know you're showing up and you're doing your job, but the layer complexity of here's the, the toxicity of the space which you are coming into with right now, true. Right. now arguably not all his you know you know mm-hmm. institutions are toxic mm-hmm. of them right. are healthy. however we are truly if we are working at pw, PW predominantly white institutions we're working in spaces that were not created for our personhood mm-hmm. so if we're not telling them these things if we're you know just saying go ahead and go in this field and you're gonna be great um are we essentially still perpetuating this idea that you can go in and not be harmed and not be injured when we don't tell them that these are things that you are going to, I don't know if it's, I don't know if the conversation is being insulated from or being protected, but making sure that we don't have these, these types of conversations, like the error that happens when we're not doing that and, and adding that to when we're not, you know, systemic racism and injustice and the fact that, you know, COVID is a real, real, real thing. And yet we're still having to show up in, you know, on Zoom meetings and, and meetings with people and, and, and be happy and be whole. Like right. the weight of that, it makes me think yeah. about our responsibility as sisters or mentors or sponsors, mm-hmm. uh, mentors, you know, whatever that is, 
um, and showing up with these women. Yeah. So, so I would say to that, that the, that um, the transparency is a very necessary part of that mentorship. Um, and in that sponsorship, just raw transparent, transparency, um, um, translated gracefully, right. In such a way that it's not harmful or that it doesn't necessarily incite fear. Uh, the fact of the matter is that we are needed. Our presence is needed in these spaces in the HBCU space. Absolutely. But also in the PWI space, because our students who exist in those spaces need to see representation. They need to see people who exist like them and they need models and mentors. And so you're absolutely right when you talk about all of the obstacles that we now additionally face since COVID in these spaces and how do we maintain um, number one and then number two, how do we encourage them to move forward in these fields um, without discouraging them because of all the additional things that we face? I Mm -hmm. think we do. um, what what should come to us naturally, which is first things first. And the first thing is your self-preservation. I love how Dr. K brought up all the scriptures that she was led to this morning. It made me think about the scripture that says uh, he, that he wishes above all that we would prosper even as our souls yeah. prosper. So yeah. how will that benefit you if you prosper and your soul suffer? What oh, is your gosh. soul? Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And so if you're naturally prospering and success, successful, but mm-hmm. your soul, your mind is, you, you know, your success has wreaked havoc on your soul. What have you essentially gained? You have nothing. Mm-hmm. That's why we see so many people who are successful, who appear to have everything, um, struggle with things like anxiety, struggle with things like depression, struggle with things like suicide ideation, and in some cases actually carry it out. You would say, well, someone with a net worth of 30, 40, 50 million dollars who has access to everything, to the best care, lifestyle, houses, cars, education, take their own life because this is someone who has acquired prosperity uh, in the natural, in the physical, um, career-wise, et cetera but not in their soul. So we want them to make their wellness, their soul a priority over their natural success. Listen here. I've never heard. Listen. We don't, we Listen need here. To have these conversations. We don't do this. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> when we're socialized, they know that we have to always accept these, 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 new 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 uh possibilities because you don't know when your next opportunity is coming so you always got to say yes 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 and you don't Holy check on your soul you don't Holy check God. on mm-hmm. how you are listen, mm-hmm. listen that's, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's key and that's where faith happens faith faith i see all the opportunities and you see people in your ear saying you got to take that because it's coming but if i have faith right. and I gotta go take it it's gonna be given unto me it's gonna come be on. It's gonna be kept. And if I miss it and it's for me, it's gonna come back around. Ooh. Twofold. Twofold. <laughs> come on, man. Powerful though. That's powerful in both the natural and the spiritual to understand yeah, that you don't have to chase it. That's right. If it's for you, sis, it'll be for you. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And and I love that you said you don't have to chase it because even the scripture says that goodness and mercy shall follow 
me all the days of my life. So I ain't got to chase what's following me. Why am I chasing what's following me? No, all I got to do is turn, adjust my posture, reach back and grab hold of it. I ain't got to chase it. It's chasing me. Listen, we forget though. Sometimes we forget yeah. that testimony. We forget yeah. to reach back and say, you know what, God, you were faithful then. Come you on. Know what? You gotta be having a whole entire Bible study up in this piece. Right. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Listen here. Oh my my, my mm-hmm. eyes are my eyes are watering. Yeah, yeah. And, and Dr. V, you know that don't happen too often. No, it doesn't. Um, but they're warning because it is a right now message. Right. And it, it goes beyond just us being black women working in higher ed. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's beyond that. It, it's, it, it speaks to purpose. Right. right. To our life purpose. Mm-hmm. And when, and so going, and so kind of wrapping some of these things up, when we sacrifice, mm-hmm. that word sacrifice, Mm-hmm. We begin to lose sight of our purpose. Right. And our God-given purpose now becomes a man-given purpose. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. And what good am I if I arrive at my place and point of purpose and I'm in shambles when I get there? How effective can I be if I show up at a place Ooh. and I'm not even me when I get there because oh, I don't let y'all turn me into somebody else? Wow, how important is we gotta find out who we are yes. before somebody else gosh you know <laughs> you know I do a lot of work around leadership development and one one of the things that it says that I've seen in research is that only roughly 10 to 15 percent of leaders are self-aware right mm-hmm. so we're already in, in spaces with people that don't know themselves and trying to tell us who we are. That, mm-hmm. That's all I'm going to say right there. But you know. <laughs> but you know. it. Listen here. Um, mm, this, so, this, yes. <laughs> I, I know this is a this is a mental health conversation, but you got to stop triggering me with these comments that you're making. And so when you talk <laughs> about people who are not self-aware, people who do not know who they are, trying to tell other people who they are. This is precisely why people should not get their identity from other creation and should go straight to the creator. How the one who did not make you has the authority or the ability to tell you who you are. Now you're out here doing things and exposing yourself to things and subjecting yourself to things that were never intended to you because you're trying to reach a success that wasn't intended to you. And along the way, you're sacrificing your wellness trying to get there. That is not the plan of God concerning black women or anybody that calls themselves um, a believer or, or a part of him. So we got to do better. We have the ability to do better. We have space to do better. But first, we must make a decision to break with the patterns of old. That's where we begin. Just through a simple decision, just like you woke up this morning and decided what you were going to put on. We have to decide I'm not going to live my life this way anymore. And I'm not going to sacrifice my wellness for success. No matter what your picture of success looks like, every person will tell you at some point in time on their journey to that place, whether they went from success to success, right? Once they got to one place, they set new goals, another level of success, that there was some measure of sacrifice that came along the way. We're not saying that sacrifice is bad. We're saying, what are you willing to sacrifice as it relates to your wellness, especially in this COVID culture, in order for you to get there? Mm. Mm. She, she preaching, ain't she? 
Listen, I'm thinking of so many conversations and then, you know, and even though, again, we're, we're sitting there centering this on COVID and kind of the mm-hmm. mental health piece, I can see this correlate in other spaces. You know, when we mm-hmm. talk about this self-awareness and knowing who you are and, you know, not allowing it to be convoluted um, and, and, you know, when you're getting these other spaces, cause you have to know who you are and, you know, right. and even though Cat Williams can be problematic in spaces, I mean, I remember there was a quote <laughs> that he talks about in his, in his special was being in line with your five-star player, right? Like being real clear. I quote that in class and they're like, Cat Williams, are you really? Yes, I am quoting Cat Williams. <laughs> because it was about understanding who you are you know whether that is when we think about comparison too and we again I know we're not on Mm -hmm. that but I can just see this because they're you know it's hard you know when you when you get in these in these these spaces and they're like oh look at that person they're they're thriving over here and like you said you know like Dr. K said oh this is another opportunity you should do this somebody else is doing that it no. can make you, if you are not clear with who you are, it can make mm-hmm. you feel a ways about, mm-hmm. well, I'm not progressing. I literally had that conversation with someone two weeks ago. And I was mm. like, you know, I'm not, I'm, all my friends is doing these different things and it's making me feel like, you mm. know, I'm just not, I'm not, I'm, I'm mm. you know, and one of my friends was like, do you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth? Are you, right. are you serious? And you need people like that. Also, I think that also makes me think about when we think about mental health and we think about, you know, making sure that we are clear with who we are. I also think it matters um, who we surround ourselves with. You know, you have people who are pouring and speaking life into you or are they just time suckers and people? Because sometimes people just need to, you know, to do that. But that's not going to be healthy for your soul long term. So, Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Just, oh, just, I can yeah. see connections. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So and, I want to say, I thought about two things when I was listening to you talking, talking about that comparison. And since we're women of faith, I feel like this is a safe space for me to say, you know, I immediately thought, thought about the scripture that says that they that compare themselves by themselves are not wise. And so that on. scripture mm-hmm. um, is important for us, particularly as believers, because that's not what we're supposed to do. You have your own path and you have your own pace. And sometimes mm-hmm. I think we lose sight of that because the culture teaches us to be competitive. It teaches us that we have to be a boss. It teaches us that you got to sacrifice. It tells us foolishness like no days off and team no sleep. <laughs> yeah, I'm no sleep. What? <laughs> and I'm going to take my time what come again and so the entire the messages that we are repeatedly fed throughout the culture oftentimes they are they're toxic they're dysfunctional and they perpetuate the continuation of a line of thought that we're not built for right yeah and you know what comes to mind and i we we gotta wrap it up um it's just so good but the power of manifest and mm-hmm. the words we say, what we think, how that ties to our wellness, success, etc. All of that is wrapped in this whole idea uh, and concept of manifestation. Um, and we got to be, we got to be mindful. We we definitely have to be mindful of what we're putting out there. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So I, I hate to be one <laughs> to, to to do, <laughs> but I got to do it. <laughs> This has been phenomenal. It truly, truly has. 
Um, Dr. Wilson, I want to thank you for, for being here and having this conversation with us. I'm, I'm, yeah, glory. Yeah. That's all I can say, right? <laughs> glory. Um, definitely want to thank you. Thank you so much uh, for being on here. And who knows, we may have to bring you back. Um, and my wheels are turning about other things that we can do. Uh, me too. Uh, you know how I, I, like, I feel like I need to call her on a whole nother situation. <laughs> Right. <laughs> uh, but definitely want to um, give you your flowers um, on on this day and many more days to come for your wisdom, um, for how you're just, and I'm just going to say how God is just moving in wow. you, um, how he's wow. intentionally placing you in places so that your voice can be heard to the masses. Um, mm-hmm. I think this comes by no mistake. Um, mm-hmm. I think that it was on time with purpose. Um, uh, not only for you, for us, but for those that will be listening to this on repeat. Because mm-hmm. I guarantee you, you once you get to this part of, of the episode, you're going to say, okay, hurry up so we can play it over again. <laughs> I, I, I really, that, that line, I feel like I have mm. taken notes. I'm like, find <laughs> this scripture. I've not heard the, the one that you mentioned, you know, the, the last one. I've yes. not, I've not heard that one. So I was like, yeah. Lord, okay. Know, it, this is so, when you say timely, Dr. K, this is, hmm. God knew what we needed, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, it was oh, for me only two weeks ago, I was trying to avoid Twitter because I was, I called it on we, but it was comparison. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This, is, this is, this is good. So before we do our traditional closing, um, Dr. Wilson, is there anything else that you want to leave us with? Definitely shout out how people can um, get in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. If I were to leave you guys with anything at all, just kind of a, just a final, you know, signing off, it would be to take authority over your wellness. Don't allow anything in this life to rob you of your privilege and the benefit of what it is to have the best, the greatest quality of life possible, which can only be experienced through optimal wellness. Don't cheat yourself. You owe it to yourself. You're worthy. You are deserving to absolutely enjoy this life, to live your best life, as they say. So please don't short yourself on this opportunity. Make you your number one, okay? That's the first thing. To follow me, you can find me on Instagram at Therapy with Tayari. You can also visit my website, at uh, I have two, there's therapyuniversity.org, which is linked to our app that we're launching and our wellness education app. And then there's also centeredonhealing.com where you can find wellness resources, strategies, tools, and also information about services provided. So that's what I have. So we're, we're definitely going to get all of that and put in it the in show the, the, what is it, the show notes. Show notes, so yeah. <laughs> Uh, as well but uh, yeah. Dr. V do you have any closing remarks I am just man. you know the word does say you know iron sharpens iron and I'm just super excited about the people who are going to be sharpened by hearing this message you hear me you know we so churchy by hearing this message by hearing the words yeah. and also <laughs> the, the folks that are going to be who are going to need it. I, tr- I truly believe that, you know, there's purpose behind it all, right? And like, there is somebody who I know who's listening right now who was like, man, I feel so special that God took the time to send her 
bring her here in this moment, have her be on the show, have her talk about it, give her the words and place it in her heart to say and to speak. Someone is just going to feel so lovely in that moment. So I'm thank you. Thank you for allowing God to flow through your gift um, and your ministry. Because this is a ministry and it's a heart thing. And so I just, I thank you. I thank you for this. Yeah, because if you had had any doubt or question about your gift or ministry, I believe God has answered. (laughs) Whatever you were seeking from God these past couple of days, weeks, Mm. he has answered it fully for Mm. you. Wow. Wow. He has been oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. okay, let me go because we're going to keep talking. Okay. <laughs> so, once again, this was a, a phenomenal episode. Uh, for those of you who are listening, thank you for tapping in. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being a faithful listener. Uh, this is Black Women Voices Podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Black Women Voices Podcast and also on Twitter and Facebook at Black Women Voices. Be sure to like share all that other stuff DM us whatever Uh, leave comments about the episode but stay engaged with us and as always peace and blessings to you all we're signing out this is Dr. K Dr. V